So he goes, he says, uh, you dried up old drunk. What are you seeing? And then and he goes, what are you seeing? He goes, pink elephants. So he calls him pink elephants. Mm. So pink elephants and sour ball. And there's Chubb. Chub. Which isn't a nickname. That's I don't know. I'd be, I'd be pissed, man. As a, as a chubby gentleman, I would not want a nickname Chubb. <laughs> right? Change my name to Chubb Arbuckle. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> You call what did you call me? Sub. <laughs> you don't recognize these faces? Yes. Even I, I can't do. tell them apart? Absolutely I do, especially him. Yeah. Well that's shit. That is uh Carl Betts. Carl Betts, yeah. He uh Here comes Killdozer. Another one. They're blowing him up? That's their plan? Yeah, the kill Yep. The killdozer fucking kiboshed it. He knew the plan. Before they could blow him up, he blew up their bombs or something? Yeah, he like killdozed it at the right time. And now he's going after their, their houses. Oh, okay. Fuck like he knew of it. That's weird. Also, he doesn't need that much diesel fuel himself. Like, for a killdozer, he, with his lines cut, he just travels fine. He's unstoppable. He's killdozable. Unkilldozable. the noise of his engine and... Yeah, I'm telling you, this is an audio movie. It's like the, the, the soundtrack and then there's the crushing and the engine. It's all just kind of melds into his perfect...
the weekly review with roman today it is friday may 14th 2021 thank you so much for tuning in we are broadcasting live from mutiny radio in san francisco we are on ramatush ohlone land 
and I would recommend that folks donate to the Segorate Land Trust, and folks can also check out our land acknowledgement uh, tab on our page at weeklyrev.org, and there you will find uh, many links, including Indigenous Mutual Aid, uh, Radio Free Alcatraz, and Indigenous Action, and a thread of Native News Outlets, as well as a lot more information. So again, please check out weeklyrev.org uh, and click on the Land Acknowledgement tab for more links and information. <sighs> Start off the show with some music, as we usually do, and uh, I'm pretty tired of playing anti-war songs, but that seems to be uh, what the, the moment is calling for. Uh, we heard My Country by Midnight Oil, Wargasm by L7, Deja Vu All Over Again by John Fogarty, different styles of music with a similar message. And Palestine's been on my mind for the past week, and I'd imagine for listeners as well. And uh, it's heartbreaking, and uh, again, it's, I recognize this is in audio format, and it's difficult to find the language to adequately describe the anger. And with the, the militarized forces killing people in um, Israel's militarized forces killing people in Palestine, over 100 people have been killed. And the way the news reports it, the narrative is so one-sided. Uh, it's similar to here in the U.S. when the police kill somebody, and they don't... The way it's formatted, it's, it's very victim-blaming and putting things, uh, the folks who have been killed, it's putting the blame on them as opposed to the people who do the killing. And it's fucking sickening. So one thing that we try to do here on this show is to at least provide the, the narrative of folks who are not here to, to share their perspectives. Or if they do, mainstream media, corporate media, however you want to uh, call it, doesn't listen. And it's just it's extremely heartbreaking. And also, as someone who's of Jewish descent, it's the you know a lot of us were brought up with this belief. We were taught that you know Israel was this place where Jews could be safe, and in that there was not a lot of the history there of how that came to be. And many of us are like, no, it doesn't. We Palestinians don't need to be oppressed in order for Jews to be safe. It doesn't make any sense at all. And beyond oppressed, it's people are being killed right now, and bombs are being dropped, and people are frightened, and it doesn't make any sense that somehow, just due to uh, my ethnicity, I somehow have, quote-unquote, right to a land I've never been to, while Palestinians, whose families have been there for generations, don't. That makes no sense, and no one can convince me otherwise. So... Sometimes it seems very futile, and I've been thinking a lot this week, and it just seems like, okay, these things are very far away, and then also it's related in that when we pay tax dollars here in the U.S., it goes towards militarization, both for the U.S. Army and for the Israeli Army and the military, and how fucking disgusting it is when there are people who go hungry in the city, that neighbor's going hungry, and people without adequate shelter, yet the money is going to provide bombs to kill people, and it's just... It's horrific. So I did want to provide some action items because it does, sometimes it's easy to feel hopeless and helpless. And um, I wanted to, sh to share other, for myself as well as listeners out there, ways that folks can take action. And so uh, there's one group called If Not Now, and they had a call last night. 
and over 400 Jewish folks were there. And um, so it says over a, th a thousand people RSVP'd, um, myself included. And so a lot of times folks wanna take action and are not sure how. So I did wanna read some action items, start off with that at the very first part of the show here. So this is again from If Not Now, and I'll read from an email. It is our role right now to take responsibility for demonstrating to the American Jewish community that Jewish safety cannot require Palestinian oppression, but rather that our liberation as Jews depends on liberation for Palestinians. And then in this email, you will find links to sign up for Jewish solidarity meetups at Nakba Day protests this weekend. You can sign up for Jewish-led actions against apartheid, RSVP for our next open organizing call, which is happening Tuesday, May 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, and they say, we will debrief actions this weekend and talk about what's next. And you can also donate to support grassroots movement in this mobilization. And I'll read here and also provide, be providing these links on our webpage at weeklyrev.org. It should be up. I'm going to aim to do it by the end of the day. Uh, here's the main action we decided to do on the call last night. The most immediate way for Jews to end apartheid right now is to attend and organize Jewish meetups at the dozens of Nakba Day protests that are being organized by Palestinians in cities across the country this weekend. These protests will mostly be on May 15th, Nakba Day, commemorating how in the 1948 war, hundreds of thousands of Palestinians were forced from their homes or left in fear, never able to go back. We know that the Nakba did not end in 1948, that the Israeli government has continued to displace Palestinians in order to preserve Jewish supremacy. This is exactly what is happening in Sheikh Jarrah right now. Jews showing up to these actions as Jews will send a powerful statement of solidarity to the American politicians funding Israeli violence in the name of Jewish safety. We also know that this moment uh, demands that to Jews to lead our own actions that can pressure our own community to stop supporting Israeli apartheid. Below is the lineup of currently planned Jewish meetups and Jewish-led actions, and the full list can be found here, and they provide a link. Friday night, Jewish-led events against apartheid, so that's happening tonight. You happen to be listening live in the Twin Cities, Shabbat in action at Minnesota State Capitol, New Orleans, community learning event, New York, Shabbat against settler colonialism. Saturday, Jewish solidarity meetups for Nakba Day protests in the Bay Area, Boston, Chicago, DC, LA, New Haven, New York, Philadelphia, and St. Louis. And also there's a note if you don't see your city listed, uh, they have a link to fill out a form and someone will follow up with you to coach you to coordinate your own meetup. When you go to an action this weekend, remember to do these three things to call our community into this movement so we can grow our movement and be more powerful together. Post a picture on social media using hashtags, hashtag Jews Against Apartheid. Share what it meant, share what it meant you to be there. You, share what it meant to, to you to be there. Tag your friends and add the link for our next mass call. And the link for that is tinyurl.com forward slash next steps INN. And they say we're planning to have another open organizing call on Tuesday, May 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. We will use that call to debrief these actions and work on what's next in this rapidly changing moment. RSVP now before you forget, and they provide a link as well, and that's the same email address, tinyurl.com forward slash next steps INN. Finally, and ask to support our movement with a grassroots donation. Right now, our movement is planning to do everything we can to show up for Palestinian rights which requires funding for things like paid organizers, Zoom accounts, printing signs, etc. If you're looking for something to do right now to ensure we are able to throw down, not just in this moment, but for everything that happens after, you can start by chipping in to support us in this work. 
and they have a secure blue uh, choose against apartheid. Um, and I'll do my best to provide all these links on our website so you don't have to scribble these down. We are so grateful to be in this in the movement with you, and we'll see you in the streets this weekend. In this together, uh, Naftali, if not now. So again, lots of links and lots of information. I know I went over it very quickly, uh, and, and I'm talking quite quickly. So um, yeah, I'll be providing uh, a list of these links and for ways that folks can show up. And I say that every week. There are so many ways that people can show up regardless of where you are and who you are. Um, so just a reminder that even if things seem hopeless, there are ways that people can participate and uh, collaborate. <sighs> and also just thinking of how fucking ridiculous it is with all of the Israel's, uh, their army and all their training and attacking Palestinians instead of attacking white supremacists. And with the with the founding of Israel by the you know the UK and, and the US who were kind of behind it, if they actually cared about protecting Jewish folks, they would have not allowed Nazis to immigrate to the US and they would have not continued on with a lot of their white supremacist policies and mass incarceration in the US as well. So again, it's it's fucking disgusting and it's important that folks understand what's the history behind it and especially for those of us like myself who grew up being told uh, a kind of one-sided narrative about it. And it's difficult to wrap your, your brain around and also it's important and necessary. And I also want to recommend a book. I've mentioned it on the, the program a number of times before. I read it uh, maybe I think last year the year, it's hard to keep track of time these days. And uh, it was a really helpful book um, in terms of just understanding why one can take a, a position like this. And it's called Reclaiming Judaism from Zionism, uh, Stories of Personal Transformation. And it was edited by Carolyn L. Karcher. And there's uh, several, there's many chapters, like I think over 30 chapters, different essays in there um, from different perspectives, just about how just uh, kind of pushing back on the idea of having a nationalist ideology uh, and how it's extremely harmful to the world. So again, book's called uh, Reclaiming Judaism from Zionism, Stories of Personal Transformation. I recommend that. Okay, I'm going to take a deep breath here. I'm going to play some more anti-war music throughout the program. And... Ah... And we'll be back in a bit, so please do stay tuned.
to the weekly review. Ah, music is so helpful. Got some... Please do stay tuned. It's difficult to kind of market this show. Uh, first, first of all, I, I tend to be more of a kind of creative person and not so much into the business side of anything. Um, but also, it's just a lot of difficult news, and I understand wanting to run away from it and or not listen. Um, however, uh, it's important to know what's going on because I think hiding from it all the time. Again, there has to be that balance, right, to understand what's going on, but also not be so, I find myself sometimes needing to get off Twitter, because it's like, okay, and I reach a point where it's not going to help my mental health at all. Um, and at the same time, it's crucial just to understand what's happening. So I did want to share this article. I mean, I'd like to not share it, because I would like it not to be happening. However, uh, it's important that we, we know what's going on. And this is from the Rewire News Group. You can find this at rewirenewsgroup.com. The latest Texas abortion ban is bad, really, really bad. <sighs> this came out on May 8th, and there was an update on May 13th. SB 8 would let any random anti-choicer sue abortion providers for damages as if anti-choice advocates needed any more license to harass healthcare workers. And there was an update that was from yesterday at 4.40 p.m. The Texas legislature passed SB 8 and sent the bill to the governor to sign. The governor can go fuck himself. Okay. I'm going to read the article, though. And you'll find out why. Uh, Anti-abortion lawmakers are added again in Texas. Let's take a look at what in the Cinnamon Toast Crunch is going on in the state because it's not good. Last week, residents of Lubbock, Texas, voted to pass an ordinance to make the city the largest, quote-unquote, I'm not even going to fucking read this fucking nonsense. I am so angry. I'm only at the second paragraph, and I'm fucking angry. I'm not even going to finish this fucking sentence. But these folks can go fuck themselves. I know that's not very specific, um, but we'll, we'll learn why. I should continue on. Just fucking disgusting anyone who thinks they can control anyone else's body is fucking gross. Okay. Uh, I'm going to skip a few paragraphs, and I'll also post a link to this uh, article so folks can see what I'm not saying because I don't even want to repeat their ridiculous rhetoric. Um, Lubbock voters have tried to criminalize abortion, but the ordinance goes further. It also criminalizes helping someone get an abortion within the city. That means anyone who drives someone to an appointment, provides information on abortion, or even do donates to an abortion fund could be charged with aiding and abetting. All of this so folks can uh, get health care. There's more. Uh, if you aided and abetted an abortion in Lubbock, you could be sued for quote-unquote emotional distress by the pregnant person's family or by anyone who wants to take you to court. And while you'd probably win the case, legal battles are expensive. This could be devastating for abortion funds and for the city's Planned Parenthood clinic, which just started offering abortion care last month in a part of West Texas with no other abortion clinics for 300 miles. Oh, good grief. And you can read more uh, on this method. There's a Twitter thread by Rewire News Group editor Imani Gandhi. And there's a thread about all this information. The only good news about the Lubbock Ordinance is that there's a trigger before its criminal penalties can take effect. That means something else would have to happen, like the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade before Lubbock could enforce this quote-unquote, and they're calling it like a sanctuary city, but like not an actual sanctuary city, like just fucking disgusting for like fetuses who uh, haven't been born yet. So I don't understand how you can take the right of someone who hasn't been, or a thing, a fetus that hasn't been born yet over the people who are alive and in this world, but 
whatever. Okay, nonsense with criminal charges. Okay, and they say, before we proceed further, let's take a screen break, shall we? And then there's a clip from Broad City of Alana screaming. Okay, okay, moving right along. Lubbock isn't the only abortion story in Texas. Let's talk about SB8. SB8 is a six-week abortion ban, which is technically a near-total abortion ban, but functionally a total abortion ban. This one is really bad. Six weeks is so early in a pregnancy that most people don't realize they're even pregnant. So by the time they do realize, it is probably going to be too late to have an abortion. Anti-abortion lawmakers love these six-week bans, but they never survive court challenges because a six-week ban is a pre-viability abortion ban. And we're going to type this loudly. Pre-viability abortion bans are unconstitutional. SB 8 is different, though. Most six-week bans give power to the state to enforce, but SB 8 gives individuals the power to sue abortion providers. Lawmakers crafted the bill this way in hopes that it will survive legal challenges that other six-week bans haven't. Basically, they know that the state can't enforce an unconstitutional abortion ban like this, so they want to try letting random anti-choicers sue for private damages, just like in Lubbock. Uh, for a great explainer of what that means, see this thread by Andrea Grimes, and I'm going to read this thread. So and this is from May 4th, and you can follow Andrea on Twitter at Andrea Grimes. Okay, I've not yet tweeted about HB 1515, the Texas bill that bans abortion at six weeks unconstitutional and creates a whole legal shebang around the enforcement of such a ban, which is the part that will really make your hair stand on end. And then they have a link to the text of the bill. Uh, the TLDR is that this bill creates an abortion ban that isn't enforced by the state, but by any random motherfucker anywhere. Yes, you read that right. Why? Because the abortion ban is illegal and unenforceable by the state, a fact known to its proponents. And so they created an alternative enforcement structure that allows people, aforementioned any random motherfuckers, to sue for private damage from abortion anywhere. The proponents of the bill know the abortion ban they want to propose is unconstitutional if enforced by a state entity, i.e. any an entity whose activities are limited by the U.S. Constitution, law, etc. So instead they said, what if we just let an, any random motherfucker sue for abortion damages? And lo, we have this travesty. Most at risk are abortion providers and funders, but it, is likely, but it likely could go deeper. The bill basically says, if you think an abortion has happened... Oh my gosh. Or if someone funded an abortion, or if someone funded something that turned into an abortion, I mean, anything could, I mean, when you think about it, like so many things could turn into an abortion. Like, I mean, people have sex all the time, and it's just, okay. Okay. Or if someone funded something that turned into an abortion, or if someone did anything, if someone did any goddamn thing that resulted in someone else having an abortion, you are entitled to sue. Oh my gosh, this is so disgusting. The quote-unquote, the you, that's in quotes, in you are entitled to sue equals literally any motherfucker anywhere. A rapist might sue a doctor if they want to go after the person they attacked. An abusive ex might sue a doctor if they don't like the sound of, oh no, I miscarried. Any chuckle fuck can sue an abortion fund or your mom if she gave you a few bucks for helping people get care. And the language is broad enough that it probably isn't even limited to abortion providers and funds. The whole point of this deal is to make maximum court nonsense for just anyone that any random chucklefuck thinks might have been in the vicinity of an abortion. The bill contains an exception for the pregnant person, which is cold comfort. 
The bill is intended to increase scrutiny around people's pregnancy outcomes and will put anyone who might end or lose a pregnancy at risk of being surveilled and creeped upon by, again, just any chuckle fuck who'd like to make a dime off someone else's pregnancy outcome. Anti-abortion lobbyists and politicians love to accuse abortion providers of being part of some kind of big money abortion machine, yet this very bill is an invitation to make some money off of, and I can't stress this enough, just any abortion you think might have happened. Who would try this? Well, folks are already on it. Check out this asshole in Alabama, and, and there's a link to a story from Montgomery, Alabama, the title from AP News, Judge Dismisses Wrongful Death Lawsuit Over Abortion. And then the next thread uh, says, or ne next uh, uh, <laughs> tweet in the thread, it's not about winning a case, it's about making funders, providers, and just anyone who might support anyone else in obtaining abortion care afraid of doing so for fear of being in an expensive, drawn-out court case to do with their private fucking healthcare care uh, decisions. What can you do? In Texas, oh, good, action items. In Texas, find and call, text, email your rep, and tell them that this bullshit will not stand. And there's a link, um, avowtexas.org. And while you're at it, let them know that a whole fuckload of legal professionals are not having this either. And there's a, a letter from 300, over 300 Texas lawyers to Speaker Dade Phelan and the House about one of Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick's priority abortion bills. So there's a, a letter that's been signed by many, many people. Also, dust off your orange and show up at Texas. Okay, this happened already um, for folks to show up at the Capitol. And then you can also fund abortion. And they have like a link of Texas abortion funds, uh, La Frontera Fund, West Fund Texas, TX, uh, the T Fund, TEA, Lilith Fund, the um, AFIA, F-A-F-I-Y-A Center, CTR, Jane's Due Process, CAS, NHTX, Fund Texas Choice, The Bridge ATX, WWH Alliance. And, okay, further, there's more. Uh, I can't stress enough how this whole apparatus of this bill was created to, one, sidestep the U.S. Constitution, two, subvert U.S. law, three, to increase surveillance of pregnant people. It's not a heartbeat bill. It's a weaponizing the courts bill. And then the person also, Andrea Grimes, uh, plugs the org that Andrea works for, if, when, how, if you're a legal professional who wants to get trained in how to use your skills to fight for reproductive justice, give us a holler, and they have a link, uh, and they say, we are not involved in this particular bill, just mad as hell. So this is a very long and informative thread that was in this article, and I will be providing a link to this again on our webpage at weeklyrev.org. So again, lots of information, sharing lots of info here, and there will be ways that folks can show up. Now let's get back to this article. And I've got many, many tabs open. Okay, let's see. All right, here we go. It is nothing short of a green light to legally harass abortion providers, as if anti-choice advocates needed any more license to do so, but we digress. On Thursday, SB8 moved one step closer to heading to Governor Greg Abbott, who's tweeted, I look forward to signing it. I would like to fucking... I mean, I... I'm going to take a few deep breaths. How fucking disgusting is it that... How, how much of our lives is spent trying to prevent... Uh, idiot fucking men, for the most, well, there's also idiot women out there. I don't want to, there's just a lot of fucking, anybody, it's really just about the behavior, not the identity. I do want to reiterate that, who believes that they have control over anyone else's body. But I'm thinking of, I'm going to not say it on the air, but maybe you can close your eyes with me. Think about this asshole governor. I know it's, I should be more specific, the one in Texas, because there's governors who are assholes everywhere. Whew, take a deep breath. 
how much of our time and energy is spent trying to uh, ensure that we have health care and people have control over their own bodies. I have to keep on fucking saying it. And as a trans person, just the idea that someone else can somehow thinks that they somehow know your body better than you is just a fucking... I, oh. <sighs> Gonna breathe. Going to breathe. <sighs> if you're into hexing, um, I believe in taking action. I also believe in hexing. Uh, what do we say here? Diversity of tactics. Uh, fuck this Greg Abbott guy. And I mean, also just fuck the people who are pushing this bill forward, but also fuck the people who have, are in positions of power where they can sign it. So whew, there's a fucking picture of him. Oh, this is the Oklahoma governor. See, I said there were a lot of asshole governors uh, who signed a bill to ban abortions when a f uh, oh God. Oh, whew, that's from April. About, again, about fetuses, not about the person carrying the fetus, but about the fetus, which makes no fucking sense. I'm going to breathe. And I do believe in, like, healing and providing positive energy to people, and then I'm like, but then there's some people who don't deserve the positive energy. And in an ideal situation, they would wake up one day and be like, oh, I'm wrong, I better stop doing this. And in the meantime, they do need to be stopped. So perhaps I will also think about... Sending some energy to them to make them not do that. Um, of course, direct action is much more effective uh, from my perspective, although whatever means you got. Put a hex on them, write them a letter, think evil thoughts about them, whatever. But uh, definitely showing up is, is important. The law will take effect September 1st if the courts don't block it first. Advocates have promised a legal challenge. What happens... In Texas does not stay in Texas, Yamani Hernandez, executive director of the National Network of Abortion Funds, said in a statement, Texas is a testing ground for catastrophic anti-abortion bills and anti-abortion extremists, and legislators across the country are watching this fight. On, luckily for those lawmakers, we'll be watching too by keeping an eye on every maneuver these pesky anti-abortion zealots make in their quest to decimate access. And it says this post was adapted from a Twitter thread. They provide a link as well. So again, this is from Rewire News Group. And it was posted on May 8th. I don't, oh, it was just written by the Rewire News Group staff. And again, um, we'll be um, posting a link to this on our webpage so you can read it and share it with folks. I'm going to take a deep breath. <sighs> again, very important to take some deep breaths here. Um, I feel like uh, I'm going to play some music. going to go through this uh, playlist I had set up ahead of time and see what feels right. All right, here we go. We'll be back uh, in a bit. Stay tuned.
CNN. 
Hello, this is Bushwick, motherfucking Bill. Yes, sir, I'm calling to inform you that you've been uh, drafted into the United States military. The United States wants me for what? <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Bushwick. Yeah, yeah, yikes. Hey, what's up? You need to uh, contact your nearest recruiting office immediately, please. I see you're not hip to what's happening. I don't give a fuck about you and all that bullshit you're stressing. Fuck a war. So explain, let me kick it to you a little something like this. Motherfucker war, that's how I feel. Send a nigga to the dentist to get killed. Cause two suckers can't agree on something. Thousand motherfuckers die for nothing. You can't pay me to join. 
welcome back. Nice little music break there. Different, uh, different genres of music and all with a righteous message. Uh, first song we heard was uh, Dark Side of the Sun by Tori Amos. American Stan by Megadeth out of Time by Blur. And Fuck a War by the Ghetto Boys. And up next, I've got another news story. Uh, <laughs> taking a deep breath first. Again, and we'll probably get frustrated while I read this article, but again, important to know what's going on. This comes from uh, Vice Motherboard. Uh, Pentagon surveilling Americans without a warrant, Senator reveals. Oh, that's nice. That's great. I hope they uh, like all the gay porn I'm watching. A letter obtained by Motherboard discusses internet, browsing, location, and other forms of data. This is written by Joseph Cox, and it came out on May 13th, 2021. And we'll also provide a link to this on our website. The Pentagon is carrying out warrantless surveillance of Americans, according to a new letter written by Senator Ron Wyden and obtained by Motherboard. Senator Wyden's office asked the Department of Defense, blah, blah, blah. and also just a reminder that uh, they, it used to be the Department of War, and they had to rename it the Defense Department of quote-unquote defense because uh, I guess war wasn't, people were opposed to the war, but I guess now he can defend against poor people because, you know, I don't even have jokes anymore about it. It's just it's so... The fact that we live in this world is so dumb. Okay. So the Senator Wyden's office asked the Department of Defense, which includes various military and intelligence agencies, such as the National Security Agency, boo, and the Defense Intelligence Agency, boo, again. Okay. I'm going to finish reading. For detailed information about its data purchasing practices after Motherboard revealed special forces were buying location data. The responses also touched on military or intelligence use of internet browsing and other types of data and prompted Wyden to demand more answers specifically about warrantless spying on American citizens. Some of the answers the DOD provided were given in a form that means Wyden's office cannot legally publish specifics on the surveillance. One answer in particular was classified. Okay. In the letter, Wyden is, pu is pushing the DOD to release the information to the public. A Wyden aide told Motherboard that the senator is unable to make the information public at this time, but believes it would meaningfully inform the debate around how the DOD is interpreting the law and its purchases of data. I write to urge you to release to the public information about the Department of Defense's warrantless surveillance of Americans. The letter addressed to Secretary of Defense Lloyd J. Austin III reads, and, uh, oh, it reads, okay. And then also, uh, there's just like a piece here in the middle of the article. Do you work for any of the agencies named in this piece? We'd love to hear from you. Using a non-work phone or computer, you can contact Joseph Cox securely on Signal at plus 44. So I guess that's... England, uh, 2081335190, uh, Wicker on Joseph Cox, and that's W-I-C-K-R, okay, um, OTR chat on jfcox at jabber.ccc.de, or email joseph.cox at vice.com. I understand the email address. I understand the signal phone number, but the other thing's new to me. Great to learn new things. Okay. Wyden and his staff with appropriate security clearances are able to review classified responses. A Wyden aide told Motherboard. Wyden's office declined to provide Motherboard with specifics about the classified answer, but a Wyden aide said that the question related to the DOD buying internet metadata. 
Are any DoD components buying and using without a court order internet metadata, including NetFlow and domain name system records? The question read and asked whether those records were about domestic internet communications, where the sender and recipient are both US IP addresses, and internet communications were where one side of the communication is a US IP address and the other side is located abroad. NetFlow data creates a picture of traffic flow and volume across a network. DNS records relate to when a user looks up a particular domain and a system that converts the, that text into the specific IP address for a computer to understand essentially a form of internet browsing history. Wynan's news letter to Austin urging the DOD to release that answer and others says, Information should only be classified if its unauthorized disclosure would cause damage to national security. The information provided by DOD in response to my question does not meet that bar. The questions were specifically sent to the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security in February 2021. Wyden's letter adds, beyond the NSA and DIA, uh, the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security provides oversight to a range of agencies, including the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, I haven't heard of them before, and the National Reconnaissance Office, also haven't heard of them, NRO. A widened aide said it is not clear if the answers go beyond the agencies that act under the Undersecretary of Defense of for Intelligence and Security. The DOD did not respond, excuse me, to a request for comment. Wyden's questions came in response to motherboards reporting on special forces purchasing location data, a Wyden aide said. Specifically, motherboard previously revealed that U.S. Special Operations Command, SOCOM, bought access to a tool called LocateX that uses location data harvested from ordinary phone apps installed on people's phones. Motherboard also found that a National Guard unit tasked with carrying out drone strikes bought the same tool. Oof. A widened aide said the office sent its original query to SOCOM's Legislative Affairs section. The department then said that the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security would respond, the aide added. As part of Wyden's office's own parallel investigation into the location data selling space, the DIA said in a memo its analysis have searched commercial databases of smartphone location data without a warrant in five investigations over the past two and a half years, the New York Times reported in January. Other than DIA, are any DOD components buying and using without a court order location data collected from phones located in the United States? One of Wyden's question reads, the answer to that is one that Wyden is urging the DOD to release. The DIA memo said the agency believes it does not require a warrant to obtain such information. Following this, Wyden also asked the DOD which other DOD components have adopted a similar interpretation of the law. One response said that each component is itself responsible to make sure they follow the law. Wyden is currently proposing a new piece of legislation called the Fourth Amendment is Not for Sale Act, which would force some agencies to obtain a warrant for location and other data. Current sponsors include Senator Rand Paul, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Senator Mike Lee, Senator Steve Daines, Senator Ed Markey, Senator Tammy Baldwin, Elizabeth Warren, Sherrod Brown, Brian Schatz, these are all senators, by the way, uh, Cory Booker, Bernie Sanders, Jeff Merkley, John Tester, Martin Heinrich, 
Maisie Hirono, Patty Murray, Maria Cantwell, Patrick Leahy, Richard Blumenthal, and uh, Wyden's office previously told Motherboard. Okay, and then there's the... Uh, then there's a little, the letter there. Okay, that's a lot of information and a lot of new information and um, things I'm definitely wasn't aware of, including all of the agencies, which is also pretty scary. Um, I'm not by any means would consider myself to be super knowledgeable of all of the government agencies by any means. And also it's just so scary to know that there are all these agencies out there that are, you know, not necessarily uh, in the best interest of the citizens, I guess. And also just where does this funding go? Like we've always got government agencies yet. Again, as I mentioned earlier, there are people without uh, getting their basic needs met. And how, how disturbing is that? Okay. I'm going to take another music break. It's a little bit past 1 o'clock here. It's 1.11. Uh, initially, yesterday, I was like, oh, I, sometimes I prepare a little bit more than others and should be having an interview on the show next week, which I'm looking forward to. And uh, I was like, oh, maybe I'll just play. Sometimes I play portions of other shows because, again, there's so much information, and I'm mostly here just I want to be as a conduit to share uh, other folks' uh, information with the listeners out there. And... Uh, whew, it's a lot. There is a lot. So, what's next song-wise? Okay, how about some Chumbawamba? Now, Chumbawamba has this reputation as a, a one-hit wonder and because of tub thumping. However, they're this, um, or I'll say and, they're also this, like, fucking anarchist band, and they also have a great song called The Day the Nazi Died, and, uh, you know, pretty awesome. So here's a song by them, and, well, another music break here, and then we'll be back think I'll be sharing one more news story, which is more of like a history, historical news story about the first trans or one of the first known trans clinics, because I'm sure there's plenty more that we might not be aware of. And also on the website, I'll be just, there's more articles I know I'm not going to get to. And again, as I, I just want to mention, uh, oftentimes I, I forgot to mention a trigger warning before the show, and it's a bit late for that. But also, this is only just like a drop in the bucket of whomever is listening to this, whenever you're listening to this, it's never can quite get to all that one wants to and it, it, it by no means just because we talk about one thing and not something else do we mean to say that something else isn't important or as uh yeah as necessary to talk about it's really just coming in here it's very spur of the moment and also just information that um i've come across that other folks have written so just putting that note out there that uh there's so much going on and again this is just a drop in the bucket so perhaps this will act as just a, a small glimpse into what's happening in the world on uh, May 14th 2021 
I'm here, step away from the window, and go back to sleep, safe from pain, and truth, and choice. to that next song, but there are no the perfect circle fans out there. Uh, just feel in the mood for something a little bit different.
my own funeral beautiful weather all for the night shine which is suitable for a full view of a forever altered skyline it's times like these i freestyle biased opinions every other sentence my journalist ethics slip when i pass them off as objective don't give me that ethical shit i've got exclusive explicit images to present to impressionable american kids and it's time to show this world how big our edifice that's is that's exactly what they attacked when a typically dark-skinned disney villain used civilians against civilians and charged the trojan horses into our building using commercial aviation as instruments of destruction pregnant women couldn't protect their children wheelchairs were stairway obstructions i have to backpedal from the shower of glass and metal wondering how after it settles we'll find who provided power to radical rebels the melting pot seems to be calling the kettle black when it boils over but only on our own soil so the little boy holds a toy soldier and waits for the suit and tie to come home we won't wait till he's older before we destroy hopes for a colder war to end i get a close-up of his head makeshift patriot the flag shop is out of stock i hang myself at half Yeah, 
Seriously, if I want to find out anything, I'm not going to read Time magazine. I'm not going to read Newsweek. I'm not going to read any of these magazines. I mean, because they just got too much to lose by printing the truth. You know that. What kinds of truths are they reading? On anything, even on a worldwide basis. They just go off the stands in a day if they printed really the truth. What is really the truth? Not really the truth is just a plain picture. All right, that was Makeshift Patriot by Sage Francis, and before that we heard Manhattan Kabul by Renaud and Excel Red, and uh, before that, part of uh, Counting Bodies Like Sheep to a Slaughter by A Perfect Circle, and before that, Jacob's Ladder by Chumbawamba. We've got one more story, and then we'll be wrapping up the show. did want to share a few headlines that we didn't go quite get to today, but we will be providing the links on our page at weeklyrev.org. One is to City College Trustees Tom, Tom Temperano. And the Board of Trustees have been super disappointed with uh, Temprano's response to students and CCSF staff uh, demanding that there not be cuts uh, at CCSF. Uh, I have taken plenty of classes there, and I know a lot of folks who work there, and it's just, if anything, uh, CCSF should be expanding, and it provides so many resources for people in San Francisco. And there's an article from the SF Bayview that also includes a a photo of when cops were called on students who were protesting and just how fucking ridiculous it is that they got the money for the cops to uh, assault and arrest and and or threaten the students but not the money for teachers and administrators who actually enrich people's lives. (sighs) So we'll be posting a link to that. You can also find it at the SF Bayview website as well and also there is one more article didn't quite get to this is an open letter to google this is by queer in ai we'll post a link as well and it's about the i'll read the first paragraph here so folks can get an idea we the organizers of black in ai queer in ai and widening nlp are writing to voice our concerns about the sustaining about sustaining our sponsorship relationship with google research we strongly condemn google's actions to dismiss Dr. Timothy Gebru and Dr. Margaret Mitchell, disrupting the lives and work of both researchers and stymieing efforts of the ethical AI team they managed. We also denounce the dismissal of April Christina Curley from Google, which we view as a step backward in recruiting and creating inclusive workspaces, workplaces for black engineers in an industry whereby POC are marginalized and undermined. More so, we stand with the countless others who've been in similar situations but haven't had this level of visibility and support. And this is, again, an open letter to Google from Queer in AI, and we'll provide a link on our website. I did mention there was one article I wanted to share. This is from Scientific American, and it was written by Brandy uh, Chalais, and it came out on May 10th. The Institute for Sexual Research in Berlin would be a century old if it hadn't fallen victim to Nazi ideology. The first gender affirmation surgeries took place in the 1920s at a facility which employed transgender technicians and nurses, and which was headed by a gay Jewish man. The forgotten history of the Institute and its fall to Nazis bent on the 
Euthanasia of Homosexuals and Transgender People offers us both hope and a cautionary tale in the face of oppressive anti-trans legislation in the United States. This story begins late one night in Berlin on the cusp of the 20th century. Magnus Hirschfeld, a young doctor recently finished with his military service, found a German soldier on his doorstep. Distraught and agitated, the young man had come to confess himself in earning uh, a word, and that's U-R-N-I-N-G, a word used in Germany to refer to homosexual men. If ex it explained the cover of darkness. To speak of such things was dangerous business. The infamous paragraph 175 in the German criminal code made homosexuality illegal. A man so accused could be stripped of his ranks and titles and imprisoned. Hirschfeld understood the soldier's plight, he himself, both homosexual and Jewish. He had toured Europe, watched the unfolding trial against Oscar Wilde, and written in an anonymous pamphlet asking why the married man who seduces the governess remains free, while homosexual men in loving and consensual relationships, men like Oscar Wilde, were imprisoned. Hirschfeld did his best to comfort the man, but upon leaving his doctor, the soldier shot himself. It was the eve of his wedding, an event he could not face. The soldier bequeathed his private papers to Hirschfeld, along with a letter. The thought that you could contribute to a future when the German fatherland will think of us in more just terms, he wrote, sweetens the hour of death. Hirschfeld would be forever haunted by this needless loss. The soldier had called himself a curse, fit only to die because the expectations of heterosexual norms reinforced by marriage and law made no room for his kind. These heartbreaking stories, Hirschfeld wrote, bring us bring before us the whole tragedy in Germany. What fatherland did they have, and for what freedom were they fighting? In the aftermath of this lonely death, Hirschfeld left his practice to specialize in sexual health and began a crusade for justice that would alter the course of queer history. Hirschfeld called his specialty sexual intermediaries. Included beneath this umbrella were what he considered situational and constitutional homosexuals, a recognition that there is often a spectrum and bisexual practice, as well as what he termed transvestites. This group did include those who wished to wear the clothes of the quote-unquote opposite sex, but also those who, from the point of view of their character, should be considered as the opposite sex. One soldier with whom Hirschfeld had worked described wearing women's clothing as the chance to be a human, at least for a moment. He likewise recognized that these people could be either homosexual or heterosexual, something that is still misunderstood about transgender people today. Perhaps even more surprising was Hirschfeld's inclusion of those with no fixed gender at all, akin to today's concept of gender fluid or non-binary identity. He counted French novelist George Sand among them. Most importantly for Hirschfeld, these men and women were acting in accordance with their nature, not against it. If this seems like extremely forward-thinking for a time, it was, possibly more forward-thinking than our own. Current anti-trans sentiments center on the idea that transgender is both unnatural and new. In the wake of a UK court decision limiting trans rights, an editorial in The Economist argued that other countries should follow suit, and an editorial in The Observer praised the court for resisting a quote-unquote disturbing trend of children receiving medical treatments as part of a gender transition. But history bears witness to the plurality of gender and sexuality. Hirschfeld considered Socrates, Michelangelo, and Shakespeare to be sexual intermediaries. He considered himself and his partner, Carl Geis, to be the same. Hirschfeld's own predecessor, Richard von Kraft Ebbing, had claimed in the 19th century that homosexuality was natural 
uh, sexual variation, and Hirschfeld believed that a person was congenitally born that way. This was no trend or fad, but a recognition that people may be born with a nature contrary to their assigned gender. And in cases where the desire to live as the opposite sex was strong, Hirschfeld thought science ought to provide a means of transition. <coughs> he purchased a Berlin villa in early 1919 and opened the Institute for Tra uh, Sexual Wissenschaft, uh, sexual for sex uh, which translates to Institute for Sexual Research on July 6th. By 1930, it would perform the first modern gender affirmation surgeries in the world. A corner building with wings on either side, to either side, the Institute was an architectural gem that blurred the line between professional and intimate living spaces. A journalist reported it could not be a hospital for it was furnished, plush, and full of life everywhere. Its stated purpose to be a place of research, teaching, healing, and refuge that could free the individual from physical ailments, psychological afflictions, and social deprivation. Hirschfeld's Institute would also be a place of education. While in medical school, he'd experienced the trauma of watching as a gay man was paraded naked before the class to be verbally abused as degenerate. At his institute, Hirschfeld would instead provide sex education and health clinics, advice on contraception, and research on gender and sexuality, both anthropological and psychological. He worked tirelessly to try and overturn paragraph 175, managed to get legally accepted transvestite, that's in quotations, identity cards for his patients, and worked to normalize and legitimize homosexual and transitioning individuals. The grounds also included room for offices given over to feminist activists, as well as printing house for sex reform journals meant to dispel myths about sexuality. Love, Hirschfeld said, is as varied as people are. The Institute would ultimately house an immense library on sexuality gathered over many years and including rare books and diagrams and protocols for uh, male to female MTF surgical transition. In addition to psychiatrists for therapy, he had hired Ludwig Levy Lenz, a gynecologist and surgeon Erwin Gorbant. Together they performed male to female surgery called genital, let's see, genital lumwandlung, literally transformation of genitals. This occurred in stages, castration, panectomy, and vaginoplasty. Vaginoplasty. The Institute only treated men at this time, uh, female to male, well, they should say f women, uh, female to male phalloplasty would not be practiced until 1949 by plastic surgeon Sir Harold Gillies. Importantly, patients would also be prescribed hormone therapy, allowing them to grow natural breasts and softer features. Their groundbreaking studies, meticulously documented, drew international attention and international patients as well. Rights and recognition did not immediately follow, however. After surgery, some trans women had difficulty getting work to support themselves, and as a result, five became nurses at the Institute itself. In this way, Hirschfeld sought to provide a safe space for those whose altered bodies differed from the gender they were assigned at birth, including at times protection from the law. That such an institute existed as early as 1919, recognizing the plurality of gender identity and offering support, even though affirming surgery comes as a surprise to many. It should have been the bedrock on which to build a bolder future. But as the institute celebrated its first decade, the Nazi party was already on the rise. By 1932, it was the largest political party in Germany, holding more paramilitary seats 
uh, excuse me, par parliamentary seats and growing its numbers through a nationalism that targeted the immigrant, the disabled, the quote-unquote genetically unfit. Weakened by economic crisis and without a majority, the Weimar Republic would collapse. Hitler was named chancellor on January 30th, 1933, and would enact policies to rid Germany of Lebensunwurz's Leben, that is, lives unworthy of living. Ew. <sighs> what began as a sterilization program ultimately led to the extermination of millions of Jews, quote-unquote gypsies, Soviet and Polish citizens, and homosexuals and transgender people. The Nazis came for the Institute on May 10th, 1933. Hirschfeld was out of the country. Karl Geis fled with what he could carry. Everything else would perish by fire. The carnage would flicker over German newsreels, the first but by no means the last of the Nazi brook burnings. Troops swarmed the building, carrying off a bronze bust of Hirschfeld and all of his precious books. Nazi youth, women, and soldiers took part. The footage and its voiceover declaring the German state had committed, quote-unquote, the intellectual garbage of the past into, to the flames. Soon, a tower-like bonfire engulfed more than 20,000 books, some of them rare copies that helped to provide histori historiography for non-conforming peoples. They could never be replaced. The Nazis also stole a list of clients, adding the names to, quote-unquote, pink lists from which to poach homosexuals for concentration camps. Levy Lenz, who, like Hirschfeld, was Jewish, <clears throat> fled Germany to escape execution, but in a dark twist, his colleague Erwin Gordbrandt, with whom he had performed so many supportive operations, joined the Luftwaffe and would later contribute to grim experiments in the Dachau concentration camp. Hirschfeld's likeness would be reproduced on Nazi propaganda as the worst of offenders, both Jewish and homosexual, all that the Nazis would stamp out in their bid to produce the perfect heteronormative Aryan race. In the immediate aftermath of the Nazi raid, Karl Geis joined Hirschfeld and his protege, Li Xu Tong, a young medical student in Paris. The three would continue living together as partners and colleagues with hopes of rebuilding the Institute until the growing threat of Nazi occupation once more required them to flee. Hirschfeld died of a sudden stroke in 1935 while still on the run. Geis committed suicide in 1938, and Hirschfeld's protege, Li Shu Tung, would abandon his hopes of opening an Institute in Hong Kong for a life of obscurity abroad. Their history has been effectively erased, so effectively, in fact, that th uh, though the newsreels still exist and pictures of the burning library are often reproduced, few know they feature the world's first trans clinic. The Nazi ideal had been based upon white cishet, that is cisgender and heterosexual, masculinity masquerading as genetic superiority. Any who strayed were considered as depraved, immoral, worthy of death. What began as a project of, quote-unquote, protecting German youth and raising healthy families had been turned under Hitler into a mechanism for genocide. The history of Hirschfeld's Institute at once inspires hope and pride for an LGBTQ plus history that might have been and still could be. It simultaneously sounds a warning. Current legislation, and indeed calls even to separate trans children from supportive parents, bear a striking resemblance to those terrible campaigns against so-labeled, quote-unquote, aberrant lives. Studies have shown that supportive hormone therapy accessed at an early age lowers rates of suicide among trans youth. But there are those who, counter to Hirschfeld, refuse to believe that trans identity is something you can be born with. Richard Dawkins, ugh, gross. Uh, and the grossest towards Richard Dawkins, who recently was stripped of his humanist of the ward, 
uh, Humanist of the Year Award for comments comparing trans people to Rachel Dolezal, uh, a civil rights activist who posed as a black woman as though gender transition was some kind of duplicity. His comments come on the heels of yet more legislation in Florida banning transgender athletes from participating in sports and an Arkansas bill denying trans children and teen supportive care. The future doesn't always guarantee social progress. Hirschfeld's Institute for Social Research, with its trans-supportive community of care, ought to have provided a firm platform to build a future that indeed thought of sexual intermediaries as more just terms. But these pioneers and their heroic sacrifices helped provide a sense of hope and of history for LGBTQ plus communities worldwide. May we learn the lessons of history because where we go from here is up to us. All right. Whew. That's Thanks. Me too. That was an article from uh, Scientific American, and that's written by Brandy Chalais, and it came out on May 10th, and we'll link an article to this page. All right. It's 1.44. Time to wrap up. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back again next week. And again, I would encourage folks to donate to Mutiny Radio. You can go to mutinyradio.fm. You can donate to the Patreon for the show, patreon.com forward slash weeklyrev. We've got these articles posted or will be posted by end of day at weeklyrev.org. And uh, yeah, hope folks have a great weekend or a restful weekend and or a peaceful weekend. And uh, wishing the best for all the humans on earth except for uh, all the fascists out there. Which bring us to our last song we play in here called All the Young Fascists. And uh, have a great week, everyone.
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Got the mutiny, mutiny radio. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio, my friend. Got mutiny, mutiny radio. Got mutiny, mutiny radio. Got mutiny radio, my friend. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought or two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. We're hosts of... Follow us on podcast by with our acronym L W A F L M O Y T. We watch a full length movie on YouTube with you, and you listen to the podcast and watch the movie at the same time. Yeah, L W A F L M O Y T. Yeah, L W F L M O Y T. L W A F L M O Y T. That's every Sunday, two p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or if you're Carl, five percent. Five yeah. percent. Right. I'm time. so lazy. Three hours later, I finally get to the show. Five p.m. Let's hear the theme song. Oh, uh, uh, let's watch full length. Oh, wait, let's do a full minute promo. Oh, never mind. Bye. See, ya. See you next month. I was just leaving the theater. <laughs> 
convertible 1969 gold Cadillac with the white material I drove it up here. And I started to do some thinking. around in it on the freeway and I'm having a really, really good time. Flat black glass. Smoking big spliffs and cruising that Cadillac on the freeway. Good feeling, I'll tell you. Can I see? Hello, Blake. Henry. Yeah. Charlie here. Yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man. Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Hey, everybody. Listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, Write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders. Look good on camera. End all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. Invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor.
who have an insatiable appetite for all things in life, who scream at nothing and everything at the same time, who dance till sunup, who cause the sun to set again with irreverent bow, who rival the moon with gravitational force, who leave rooms feeling empty and earthquake struck, who don't give a fuck, who make, who do, who dream out loud and laugh like maniacs, who draw shock and doll on faces graced with watching, who create from the soul of an orgasm, who swagger even alone in the shower, who fight with passion and love with passion and are passion who catapult over cliffs in the name of revolution who would rather die than fall in line to conform who constantly challenge the norm who greet each and every day as if just born i say to you i know your greatness the way a suicide jumper knows weightless just before the impact and in fact i know it best when i say to you i love you Hello there, my friends out at Mutiny Radio. Chester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Mufi's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Fantastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for... <laughs> it's indubitious. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen Summer Cottage on the Mountain Ridge with the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. We'll laugh off your own tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. <laughs> Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Got the mutiny, mutiny radio. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio, my friend. Got mutiny, mutiny radio. Got mutiny, mutiny radio. Got mutiny radio, my friend. Trails leading nowhere, where to my son? We're already dead, but not yet in the ground. Come on, shake my helping hand. I'll show you around. 